0: Chicas y chicos. Hello and welcome, a very warm welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, spreading and sharing the supreme delight of this wonderful and fast growing game. I'm your host, Minterdial, and this podcast is brought to you by Paddle 1969, the largest manufacturer of premium paddle courts, one court for life by Paddle 1969. The Joy of Paddle is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. For more information about the network, go ahead and check out evergreenpodcast.com. So this is the inaugural season of the Joy of Paddle podcast. And to start with, we're going to do an episode once every fortnight. Episodes will drop every other Wednesday at 12 noon London time. Please let us know what you think about the show by putting up a rating and review. So this second episode of the Joy of Paddle podcast is with my cousin Nally Granda. Nally was UCLA's top tennis player from 1998 to 2001. He's been in paddle since he was five years old and has been a forerunner of the sport, first in France and then in the USA. Today he's ranked 238th in the world on FIP and is among the top paddle players in the United States. Previously, he was ranked among the top 50 in the world. Driven by his passion for paddle and his entrepreneurial spirit, Nalle founded PaddleX to build quality paddle infrastructures in the US. Please enjoy Game On! now hello yep it's perfect all right perfect all right that's the ready best thing yep all good <clears throat> good Nalle. all right ready here we go nally granda my cousin fellow paddle crazy aficionado. um great to have you on the show as you know this is all about the joy of paddle and want we'll to get started by understanding how you got into paddle. I know you began in Acapulco, and that must have been on the original courts when you were in 1981. How on earth old were you back then?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Hello, Minter. It's a pleasure to be here when in discussing our passion, our common passion together. And um, yes, the first encounter with padel is or paddle was in uh, in 1981 for me. I was five years old. At the time, I was following my parents, obviously, uh, around the world. And for holidays, we ended up um, going to Acapulco with a gr- group of friends, group of my parents' friends. And uh, uh, got acquainted with the Corcueras, the Enrique Corcuera, and we actually had to, um, we got the joys of playing paddle while, you know, they started playing what they called at the time the World Championships, meaning, you know, the twenty of them uh, gathering around the around the the holidays of New Year's, and uh, at, after a couple of days, they decided to oh, you know what, we should have the kids play, and so we played. Uh, you know, there was like maybe six or seven kids of us, or eight, I guess, to make make four pairs, and we played the unofficial first uh, junior championships.
0: Way to get ranked in the world, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. And I and I ended up winning actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because this is a funny story because I only found that out uh a few weeks ago. I called Enrique uh, Enrico Corcuera Jr. uh to congratulate him on opening his first club in Texas. Uh he's he actually himself got into the paddle business now. And um and I I sent him that photo because he's obviously gathering a lot of memory memorabilia of the times and um and he said oh yes that's my mother giving you some pesos because you beat me in the final of that tournament and i was like oh wow that's so funny because i didn't know who i played obviously
0: so just give going back to that court i mean obviously you were five years old but what do you remember about it in terms of its the the funky elements of it? Because as I understand it, each of them was a little bit different in Acapulco in those days.
1: Yeah, it was actually a very interesting, so I don't have specific uh, remembrance of that specific court, but I do have a remembrance of of the whole dynamic. And it was very fun because uh, every house had a different court with different specificities and every house had their different rules. Because on that court, for instance, there was an AC unit in the back of the, on the back of on the back wall of the house that was pointing out into the courts so anytime a ball would hit that AC unit, well you know they would play they would have to play a let. Uh, some other courts um, oh, oh, and the shapes of the wall were never similar. Every court first of all was in hard court. Uh, the sizes were different and some of the shapes of the walls were even different. some 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 courts had on one side a very low wall, it was maybe one meter tall and on the other side had walls because it was a retaining wall to the, to the, to the hill, the wall would be nine meters tall, you see? And you know, so there was a long, some, some, some walls went all the way back to the net. And some, some houses had walls that were only staying, you know, three meters back from the back wall. So all these rules were very different and they were adapting to the actual specificities of the court. I remember even one court one house where we played and where you were not allowed to smash the ball out, out of the court you would get penalized for that because the neighbors were complaining so much about the balls that <clears throat> the 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 host had decided that any ball would go outside the court even having been touched the ground uh, before will be declared a losing point.
0: It reminds me very much the beginning of Jeux de Poum, or Real Tennis, where each of the kings had their own courtyards and their own rules and their own windows and all that. So that was a, that's a wonderful story. Tell us, Nelly, what is your involvement in Paddle today?
1: Today? Uh, I mean, you know, I've been always kind of involved as a player, um, even as a, a um, club owner. I owned my first club in Nice in 2003 um, back when I was playing it, I'd say in the French national team at my highest level um, and I've always, even since I came back in the US in 2010 was trying to facilitate the implementation of paddle courts so I was selling courts, counseling advising taking partner part ownerships in clubs but it was always as a hobby on the side of my real estate company that I was running today um for now for a year I've totally decided to completely allocate 100% of my time into development of paddle uh, through my club brand that's called Paddle X we are partnered with a group of of, of Chilean uh, partners that are very big in real estate and the um Wellness or sports facilities clubs in in Chile and uh, and we have I believe come up with a very interesting and uh, strong concept around the quality of paddle and the and the quality of the infrastructure for paddle for the US. We today have signed uh, clubs that are already in in, in construction as we speak. One is downtown Miami, right next to, in the middle of downtown. Cannot be more centric than that. Next to the uh, the Heat Arena, uh, next to the Arch Center, you know, the Opera House in in uh, in Miami. And the second one is in Boca Raton, um, where Florida. Both, bo- yeah, Boca Raton, Florida. Both clubs will host at least ten courts. And we are actively about to sign a place in New York, and uh, and uh, uh, you know more to come. Uh, the, the the difficulty today is to find locations. Obviously, real estate prices in the U.S. are very high, so it's. I think there is a lot, of, and that's one of the reasons for the slow development of battle in the U.S. is uh, it's a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of. Venture capitalists are very keen on opening and starting business in the U.S., but very few actually succeed at doing it. Uh, so you know, we're um, us included. So far, you know, we we haven't opened yet. Uh, we're right now in the permitting process, and uh, we'll be starting construction sometime in June, J- July, J- July, August. Hopefully, you know, how this thing is going a bit slow.
0: It's very similar to the situation, at least in England where there are still only 250 courts and the real problem is constantly there's not a lot there's a lot of interest a lot of money ready but the planning issue remains the problem but the other thing that the united states is facing of course as fellow yanks is this other game some people call it a sport i don't pickle ball um it seems to be the rage in the united states and it's so much easier to build you don't need walls you just put lines on a court and put up a little net and there you go yeah, how how do you think that battle is going to go between paddle and pickle?
1: Well, I, I, sh- I you know, I listen as a, a paddle fanatic and always been a big uh, defender of the sport. You know, um, I don't, I don't see it as a battle, honestly. I think it serves two specific purposes. I think it can be very complementary. Uh, in our club in Boca. Uh, we actually even considered including some pickle into the paddle clubs, but uh, after all, we decided not to because of various reasons. First of all, the sound compatibility. A lot of people don't necessarily are not the same crowd. It's not at all the same business model because you don't charge as much for paddle. I mean, for pickle as as paddle, uh, and for one of the main reasons, as you said, is that pickle is free and paddle takes a lot of, you know, money to set up. And obviously for the same reason, is costing more money to play. So it's two different uh, business models. Um, it's both sports, and, you know, you gotta call them sports, but they, they are played at a, at a professional level. Uh, both of them are gonna face, I believe, different challenges. And have different advantages and the one for pickle is obvious and i see it here in 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 in, um, in the hamptons as where i am right now you know the the interest for both sports uh is quite large and obviously the pickle is easy you just paint a couple lines on the ground and you're done and you start going i even saw some clay court Pickle courts here, <laughs> huh. and uh, I, I, I'm not sure how that plays out with with the balls and the bounces and so on. But uh, but then, I think that as a show, as a sport, is far superior, and um, uh, and pickle uh, as a hobby, as a sport or athletic activity. For a lot of people, makes a lot of sense too. You know, yeah. people don't necessarily can or want to have a physical uh, um, uh, exercise as as hard as paddle. And you know, for people like that, uh, I see that as being a great compliment, actually. And and I and I say it really in a in a uh, I say it even for myself. You see, uh, it's a great way of. Playing a racket sport with uh, kids and grandparents and 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 the whole family playing the same game, uh, whereas tennis definitely uh, is not pleasant if you don't have. First, you play in singles, but second, even if you play in doubles, if you don't have four players that are of the same skill level, then everybody is is annoyed. In battle, mm-hmm. that's not so true. You can always compensate, and we had yeah. Last night, a great game where I played with my girlfriend, who's a beginner, against my sister, who's confirmed, and her uh, husband, who's who I'd say a, a medium intermediate player, and we had so a fair four
0: very different levels.
1: Four very different levels, and and we had a great time, and we decided to give it a try today on the pickle court, and I'm sure it's going to be fine too. You know, yeah. so I'm not one of those. Um, terrorist uh, absolute obsessed <laughs> players of one sport I have obviously a huge preference for paddle um, and there's no comparison in my opinion but I do I, I do understand people who want to play pickle oh, right. as a show as a yeah. business as a show as a business um, and 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 as a player I a hundred percent paddle
0: to pickle I'm so with you um paddle. Paddle, America has to do things differently yet again.
1: Yes, you know it's um, it, it, I you know I don't even know. We actually had that conversation with my friend Wayne Borch yesterday. We were on the court playing. He just had uh, I don't know if you know, but he he just opened. He's opening actually today. Uh, 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 the first paddle club in in Manhattan, and today is the opening. And so I was he was on CNBC and Bloomberg uh, talking about this, and he's he's obviously saying paddle, you know, very American wise. And I say, Wayne, you know what do you think about this? don't you you know you know we, we've been fighting to differentiate the game from all the other PAL games, the platform, the pop tennis, the this, the that, the beat and the pickle and so yeah, but you know in the end, they all Went on with their own name, and you know, it's just paddle. You spell it the same way, P A D E L. You know, even you know, we were talking about the even how the the Spaniards were saying it. You know, they, they don't say parel, they 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 they, they say paddle. You know, they don't. So you know, we accent on with the words. A. Yeah, so we're we playing we playing with la, um words. I think the most important is that we have. Our own spelling. That's that's what really matters. Whether uh, English people or English-speaking people say paddle or padel or so on. As long as we write it, we don't write a P-A-D-D-L-E, uh, I think we're good.
0: Well, it, it certainly fits for my friends down in Philadelphia with Padelphia and, and, and then the other thing are like the names of the strokes, like Bandeka or, you know, Bajada. As opposed to the ways the Spaniards pronounce La Bajada or La bandeja. yeah, I'm yeah. gonna get involved. I want to talk to you about about you and your paddle. So uh, one of the questions I I think is fun is to find out how do you describe yourself as a paddle player as an animal? What kind of animal are you on the on a paddle court?
1: Oh, what kind of animal? That's uh, I would be, uh, you know, I. Uh, an, an older bear today, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, if, if I had to say anything, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, as you know, I'm pretty tall uh, and I have a pretty big overhead and a, so, and, and, a, and I'm a lefty. So, you know, I, if I had to, I mean, I, I totally formatted my game and learned watching Juan Martín Diaz. It was my idol when I was, a, when I started in 2000, 2002. He was the number one player in the world, and the best, and some say you know greatest player of all time. Um, and he was lefty, so I was obviously trying to copy that, which is a very difficult, you know, uh, style of play to copy. But I, I, I'd say I am that kind of player. You know, I'm very offensive. Today's um, today's comparative would be Arturo Coelho. You know, who's number one in the world. But I didn't. I, I never even. I, he plays and the a lefty. different game.
0: And, a, and lefty. a lefty,
1: of course. Yeah, that's why I'm mentioning that, those guys because very similar in the way that they never they never relentlessly attack; they relentlessly uh, move forward, and um, uh, that's what suits my 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 temperament and my game as well.
0: Wow, I I, I, I see cat-like uh, attack ability that you have, Nalle. Um, what yeah. about what's your, what's your favorite shot?
1: Oh, the overhead. Uh, my favorite shot is by far and it's funny because as much as the overhead when i say the overhead is the hitting overhead is my favorite shot the bandeja is my least favorite so it's uh, it's it's uh, overhead it's but some, not as much yes yes because i obviously i have a formerly and good overhead and i can say that with many pretty much confidence of many years of playing and i've been told that all, all the time but to the same reason, I have an abnormally bad bandeja because I never hit it, I never hit one. Whenever the ball is over my head, I tend to hit the ball uh, as hard as I can.
0: All right, well, the next question could be involved, but what's the shot that you in your mind would like to improve the most?
1: Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> definitely the Definitely the bandeja because as I don't get younger, I yeah. tend to not have the speed or the legs or you know to get under the ball that fast to hit the ball for from any point or or even the strength you know because <clears throat> you know and actually the balls have gone a bit softer in the years the courts have slowed down so all these conditions don't help me you know I used to be able to hit the ball from anywhere from the court out through part par three or, or 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 all the way back to my court. Today is less true. Uh, the balls, the courts are slower, uh, and so I have to definitely get better on my bandeja to be able to control and not lose the net. Because people don't understand that uh, the the really the goal of the bandeja is to not is not an offensive shot is is to not lose control of the net. Uh, and people tend to lose that in in their mind. they They always go for a bit too much, and the ball comes off the walls a lot and gives the chance to the opponents to take the net from you.
0: I would say that's one of the confusing things of watching the pro tour. i I feel like they tend to be more in a whip like a vibora they They rarely do as much with the bandeja I feel than they do the vibora. <clears throat>
1: Um Okay. Well, I, I you I think if you actually next time you watch a game, you actually take your pen and your pencil, and you you you, you count that out, you will be surprised, uh, especially in outdoor conditions, mm. how many bandejas they do. Uh, a guy like uh, uh, Sanyo Gutierrez, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know or obviously, Bella. or Bella, they will they will hit. You'll see. maybe even 60-40 in favor of Bandejas. They do a lot. Because when you have lobs that are coming from 30 meters in the sky with the sun and the wind, uh, you can't can't hit it. You just got to try to avoid and lose it. I was just watching. And even if in the biggest condition in Valladolid yesterday, in the finals, you would see uh, even the biggest hitters in the world, like Tapia and Coelho, would be pushing the
0: ball not, yeah, and Martin de Nino, you know, he he was had the same sort of idea um, just getting it back,
1: yeah, yeah, because because the, it's 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 really um, you can hit as far, you know these especially at that level, you can hit the fastest, hardest vibora that you can. it's it's bread and butter for them Absolutely. to get it back and even to use it, use the speed and use the, the the rebound of the walls to take the net away from you. So they tend to, I'd say even to play 75% for three bandejas, they'll play one Vibora.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for the correction, excellent. So what about your most, uh, the funniest thing or experience you ever had on a paddle court? Does one come to mind for you?
1: Oh, so many actually.
0: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, that's so great to events. hear.
1: Even I mean, like I said, it's such a great game. Even yesterday, you know, we're 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 a band of um, players that you know, since I moved to Miami, uh, play have played together. I don't know over three thousand times the same four players. I'm talking about you know Wayne Borch, William Corta, Gabi Meana, and myself. Since you know I introduced them to the game. In, back in 2013 14 when you know they they first time we built a court down in Miami and again at the same at the best level in the US and in in definitely in Miami we were you know four of the six seven players we're talking about so again we still played yesterday haven't played in a while we play much less together than we used to because We, you know, the group has spread out a bit more. There's so much more activity. You know, everybody's doing, kind of building their own network and their own uh, clubs and here and there. And so, but still, we got together. We haven't played in months and so on. And we had some amazing points with, because we know each other, you know. We're two lefties Wayne. so we know we both hit the ball pretty well. We end up being outside and playing through the glass, playing through the, sorry, through the door, over the net, into the net. And the points go on forever, you know. And so it's it's really um, amazing how much I always tell myself, "Wow, it's incredible how you know this doesn't go away. It doesn't matter how. Of course, I'm less physical than I used to be 15, 20 years ago, but I'm still having as much fun, if not more, because today I'd say the result counts a bit less, and the you know mean or the actual actual play or pleasure of just hitting the ball feeling the ball well and so on is 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 greater but um yeah i mean we've had a amazing uh, some amazing games throughout the years um uh, i had some great pleasures you know getting to the semi finals of the european championships in 2007 was a big one being the first team uh, to beat a Spanish couple uh, in a, in a in a FIP event wow, it was nice. was, a, was a was a big one, and um, and uh, and and representing France, you know, representing mm. my home country uh, to play in the international uh, uh, events uh, for ten years, and now I'm looking actually forward to because now you know the the FIP is doing senior tours and senior competitions. So I'm going to be playing uh, next year, you know, or competing to get into the French team to play uh, in the, in the plus plus forty fives. So the, all this is our great
0: memories. That's beautiful. So um, what about life lessons? I, I think sports in general is a great way of learning things about life, but in paddle, how, what sort of life lesson is you taking away from your, since five years old, you've been playing paddle. What, what, or two?
1: Well, you know, I think, as you said, paddle, but sports, even more so in general, are a great lesson of life because, you know, every day you have to uh, compete and you have to lose. You have to learn how to lose and you have to learn how to um, reminisce on yourself to, uh, in French, you say "se remettre en question." Mm. You have to all the training and all the um, hard work, and eventually, every week, there's only one team that wins the whole week. Everybody else loses. You know, so if you have thirty-two teams, there's thirty-one teams that are losers. Only one that actually comes on top. So you have. 90 plus percent chances of losing every week, and yet again, you have to get up and you have to, you know, remettre en question. I don't know how you can call it, uh, translate that
0: into be image. critical about yeah. yourself, maybe at least. Yeah,
1: be, be be critical, or yeah, exactly, like really reset your mind and 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 and, and to try to be better and get better. To avoid losing next week and then you lose again and anyway that's what happens in real life as well you have setbacks in like real life and i i feel that having all the background in sports it gives me the skills to rebound much easier than other people i see around me that eventually have not had that chance of being having a sports career all their life
0: In in a mashup of the two last comments you made about the fun shots is, um, in uh, Paddle House I saw, and I don't know how generally it's there, they have this thing called push it, where after you've done a point, you like it, you hit the button and they will capture the last 30 seconds, which is kind of fun. It's a great way to document the fun that you had on the court. And of course, the other thing which I love about Paddle is that the players will actually commend each other on great shots. It's not about winning the point, it's about having good paddle. And yet, when I look at those shots, when I do the video at the end, I come back, oh, that was a great point, I look at it, I'm like, oh my God, I was terrible. Or I know <laughs> terrible, you know? I, so yeah. that notion of, of self-doubt or, or criticism of self, you need to bring, it, bring that reality with you back off the court to see how you can improve and remember some humility.
1: It, 100%, and I, I, you have no idea how many times, uh, it's funny, there's a phenomenon right now in, in the US Going with Red Paddle because Red Paddle is the first system. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's the first system. It's a rating system, and it's an AI rating you and not, ah. not, not yourself. And it is incredible because I'm talking to the founders of this, and 99.9% of the people when they're asked what their rating is or should be, they always think they're better than they are. Me included, you know. Me included. I, you know, and and then. When you have an AI that's actually telling you um, that the ranking or so that you have or the rating that you're getting, um, you cannot, it's the same AI for everybody, right? So you can, of course, there's flaws, there's, you know, depending on where the first person, because the first coach has to rate you, give you a, a temporary rating. And because you started that rating, whether you go up and down, that's up to the AI, but um it does influence eventually until until you play 100 matches or 50 at least you know the, you you do get some like, kind of advantage from the the rating at the first place but anyways it's amazing how even all the people who are beginners intermediates advanced players they all want to play with better players no no i'm bored playing with players lower than me and so on they i want to play. yeah but you have to think that the people that play better than you, they think the same way you think about the game. Of course, so they want to play with players above themselves, so they're never going to want to play with you. You just got to play with whoever is willing to play, and be humble about it, and you know let the results talk for yourself. And if you start winning and playing better, you'll get to play with better players, and and so. It's, but it's it's always fun to see. Uh, um, it's a great school of life like I just said and it's also a great uh, in that same way of humbleness because I tell all the tennis players I tell them every time if you want to get better because tennis players get are really good they get to a point but then they have to they have a plateau where they have to learn to play with the walls for instance and until they they accept to look bad and lose points and let the ball go into the walls and not and look like a fool they're not going to get any better and it's just a, you got just got to be humble you got to accept that tennis tennis is a game of winners paddle is a game of not me, no mistakes I this is something this. you taught me yes exactly paddle is a game of no mistakes the winner at the end of the match is not the one who's hit the most winners the winner at the end of the match is the one that's hit the last unforced errors
0: always fabulous Nelly, um one word about the future of paddle or Padel in the United States mm-hmm. which is basically your country these days
1: yes I mean listen that's it we're, we're you know there's no turning back now um there's two uh, there's two the, the hype is here the demand is there uh you know we're having very important some I've named some I haven't uh, I want to say, business people that are now getting involved, that are investing. We have amazing events coming that are not been um, announced yet. So I can't, I can't announce anything yet. But there's even this year uh, uh, a huge event coming in October. So there is plenty of. Um, um, every light is green. Uh, we need, but now we need to convert. And I believe that pickle is doing us an amazing favor. I think it's 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 forming the American population to an alternative racket sport than tennis. And I think that anywhere. Um, pickle has landed which is pretty much almost everywhere now um, is a very proper uh, environment for pickle sorry for padel to, to to engage uh, because I think that a lot of people play pickle because it's the last the last best thing but they don't know about paddle and as soon as they're going to get exposed to both, they will convert to paddle. And not everybody, you know, but, you know, if I had to put, you know, 75%, I would say. Um, and and I think that they should coexist. People look for different things in different games, in, the, in both different games. And I believe that that's, that's what's going to happen. I think, yes, we're not going to have 50,000 courts in the next five years like like Pico is kind of going to because of the the cost of the infrastructure and, and 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 permitting is different but even if we go from 160 courts today or 200 courts to ten thousand or forget about ten thousand let's even say five thousand in the next five years um that's a that's a huge increase it's huge you know. So, um, uh, it's gonna take a little time, but we are at Palle are definitely acting as it was um, it was a, cer- a certain thing. We're investing all our time, all our resources and all our money, and we're going bold. We're building big clubs straight because, yes, we, we know that the demand for courts, is gonna is gonna uh, out uh, it's gonna be stronger than the supply. Uh, so we're going straight in we're not building three quarts and see what happens um, and and that's 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 my belief. my belief is that we're gonna need um, tens of thousands of quarts in the next 10 years
0: which means we're going to need a lot of good pros as well to help, you know, bring yes. the people in from the other sports. Cause that's a challenge. If you don't have a proper paddle coach, who's not just like a tennis convert, but a real paddle player who knows the strokes knows the tactics, it's really going to be difficult. It reminds me, Nelly, of, of, uh, or something that's happened at the Queens club, which is my club in London where they introduced two outdoor paddle courts, beautiful surface and, you know, panoramic, uh, and the thing that's happened where they have four other sports, rackets, jeu de paume, lawn tennis, and squash. And what they found is that paddle is the only one that unites all four sports. It
1: brings yeah, everyone together. True. And that's but such a beautiful it, it, thing. You have to know, and uh, this all comes from the DNA of the game. I, I, we didn't mention this, but because the people do give me this. They tell oh, "But why does why is paddle going to take over and not pickle?" or right? Because that's the way the DNA of the game was created by Enrique Corcuera and his friends, Alfonso de Onlo. uh My father was one of them. Uh, and they, were, they, were, they all sat down and they're like, fuck, they, we all love tennis. We all come from tennis backgrounds. So let's not let's make sure that, of course, we're all tennis aficionados. And they started putting their head together. Okay, let's create a game. We're all now turning in our 50s. Some of us are over- overweight but we all love the game of tennis. Let's just imagine a game, imagine a racket sport, and let's keep the good sides of tennis, and let's take away the bad sides. And the serve is the number one bad side, you know, because serving overhead in that little square all the way over there, uh, behind a net, and that's super short compared to the rest of the – it's, it's nonsense, you know. It's total so nonsense. Serve just should be like a an introduction to the game, you know. That's number one. And then we really like the fact, or you know, the walls from rackets or from 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 squash, you know. Um, so let's keep that. The ball is the best ball, you know. I remember I I, I had this conversation. They tried all sorts of balls before taking tennis. They've even thought about the racket ball ball, you know, that's bouncy springer. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, the best combination for everything was the, was the tennis ball. So that's, that's the reason why Padel is so, so amazing, because it was created with the idea of let's create the ultimate racket sport with the, the strong, uh, the strong sides of each racket sport that we know at the time and that's that's the dna of the game
0: well Nelly, beautiful great to have you on the show i love your energy it's great to hear about what you're doing in the states paddle x and more i'll put all those in the show notes uh how would anyone like to how would you suggest anyone follow what you're up to maybe uh, any other links or or social programs social sites that you'd like to have in the show notes
1: of course listen uh for now uh as pretty much i think nobody is aware but we we have chosen at parallax because we are not pitching for for investors right now. Uh, we've chosen not to publicize too much about us. We'd rather be, you know, create a big bang once we once we are open ready to go. So we do have a landing page that's padalex, us on the on the on the uh, the internet and we do have an Instagram page, but that's pretty much it for now. Mm-hmm. um what's the this reason space. for that, yes exactly it's it, we're going to start marketing our site in Miami as soon as we have the permits cuz i don't want to be saying paddle coming soon like a lot of clubs that have done and you know a year later we still have no no paddle on the courts so the the last hurdle for the first location and the first start the first uh round of of Marketing is going to be when we get the permit, and that should be in the next couple of weeks.
0: It reminds me of when we the software business was launching back in the heyday in the eighties, nineteen eighties. They would say, Oh, we got this great launch is coming, we're working on it, the bugs just getting fixed. And then we came up with a new term of vaporware. Where is Mm. it? So it makes me think of paddleware. (laughs) Where's the paddle? All right, listen. Yeah. Nally, thank you so much. Vamos. Vamos. See you. See you soon on the courts. You betcha. So I hope you've enjoyed this Joy of Paddle episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to be the first in queue for the next episode. And if you like what you hear, please do share around with other paddle aficionados. This is a sport that deserves to be played by absolutely everyone. And if you've got a story that you'd like to share, please send me an email or, better yet, a voice note at nmintadial at gmail.com with that thanks for listening and see you on the next episode of the joy of paddle podcast vamos women's running stories where we explore the intersection between running and life because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell and this is where you'll find those stories I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel
1: your adventures.